0: amen amen thank you choir pastor and biblical scholar eugene peterson has a quote i want to read it for you he says sabbath is the uncluttered time and space in which we can distance ourselves from our own activities enough to see what god is doing Two of our scripture readings for today deal with the concept of Sabbath, and I realize that this is a tricky idea. It's it's a concept that we don't talk a lot about, and a concept that, well, let's face it, our society just doesn't get. And it's really too bad, because this commandment to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy is one of the most beautiful gifts that God has given to us. And yet, like so many other gifts from God... We often just completely misunderstand it. So we're going to talk about Sabbath today, church. We'll be primarily looking at the first reading from Deuteronomy chapter 5, and I've titled this sermon, The Gift of Sabbath. Please pray with me. May the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O God. Send your living word to walk amongst us now to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. Let's get right into it. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5. As I said, this was our first reading this morning, and so I just want to make sure that we haven't forgotten anything. Deuteronomy, chapter 5. We start, this is the collection of the Ten Commandments, one of the places in Scripture where you can find it listed out for you, Uh, but we're looking primarily at this command to remember the Sabbath day. We start at verse 12, and it says, Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, to the Lord your God, and you shall not do any work. Now jump down to verse 15. God continues and says, Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. A Sabbath day. A day of rest. Many of you might be laughing to yourself right now. Oh, Pastor, that's a nice thought. What an idealistic idea. A Sabbath. (laughs) Clearly, that's just one of those Bible passages that is too foreign and antiquated for 2018. Maybe that's what you're thinking, or, or maybe that's what you're secretly hoping I will say this morning. But, church, I'm sorry we all could use a little more Sabbath in our lives. You see, we have a spiritual problem in this country. Well, well, we have many spiritual problems in this country, but the one that I'm thinking about this morning is so obvious, so evident, that it often gets completely overlooked. It has become normalized to such a point that we do not even realize how destructive and out of line our actions are. And yet, every time I check social media or have a conversation with a friend, or even when I'm just watching commercials, I see this destructive, sinful behavior. Even when I meet with fellow clergy, no, 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 especially when I meet with fellow clergy, I see the glorification of busy. We have turned the act of being busy and overworked into some sort of achievement, Some sort of badge of honor that we're all trying to earn. Facebook is filled with status updates, like I've got five tests, four papers, three doctor's appointments, but first I'm gonna run a marathon and bake a cake. Hashtag busy. Or I'll see something like, woke up at 6 a.m. so I could make my 6.30 meeting, and I've had 10 other meetings since that one, and now I've got a 10 minute break before my three evening meetings. Why do we feel the need to share this type of information? Certainly, if you really are that busy, then you shouldn't be on social media. And yet, this type of behavior is pervasive. In fact, as I mentioned, I think it's pastors who are guilty of this especially. Can I get an amen, Bishop? (laughs) When clergy get together, there is this compulsion for us to lift off, list off all that we have to do. Oh, I've got a heck of a week in front of me. I'm serving on three different community organization boards, and they all have meetings this week. And then there's the Wednesday evening worship service, and the three Sunday morning worship services I have to plan, and I have four members who are in the hospital that all need a visit. Yeah. Yeah. And now I need to be clear, I'm definitely guilty of this as well. Uh, I'm learning a lot, but I'm guilty of glorifying busyness. In my first years of being a pastor, especially, I would fill my life with meetings and appointments and these huge projects that I was trying to undertake all by myself without asking for help. And then I'd brag about how busy I was. And I've gotten able to reflect on this since then, and I think it was because deep down I was still wrapping my mind around this idea of being a pastor. I needed to find some way to validate for myself that I was worthy of this calling and this role. Now, I know not all of you are pastors out there right now, but I'm guessing you know exactly what I'm talking about. We get into these positions, we have these roles, and we're not sure if we have what it takes. And so we try to fill our lives with work in order to somehow validate that we're worthy of this job that we've been called to do, this role that we've been called to play. There exists in the United States, in particular, this compulsion to work and work and work. We need to feel needed, we want to be wanted, and we think that our value is determined solely by how much we do, and it's killing us. I had a friend who worked for an international company and she was working for one of the London branches of this company at the time, but they also had offices in the United States. And so I asked her if she thought the English branch worked as hard as the American branch. And I will never forget what she said. She said, at my London branch, no one works more than 35 hours a week. And if there ever is some sort of pressing deadline that normally would require overtime, everyone in the office just says, Oh, the Americans will handle that. (laughs) We have an international reputation for overworking. And when I told another friend of mine who who lives in Norway that most pastors in the United States work about 50 hours a week, she was speechless. She could barely comprehend what I was telling her until she finally stammered, "How, How does anyone think that's healthy? And guess what? It's not. It's not healthy. Doctors have shown that overwork, even in jobs that you enjoy, leads to heightened levels of stress, which affects your blood pressure, which causes heart disease. And additionally, overwork, shocker, is closely associated with poor eating habits, because it's a lot easier to grab a burger on the way home rather than make yourself a nice nutritious meal. It's associated with lack of exercise, because if you're filling your day with 13 hours of work, how are you going to ever have time to exercise? And of course, it's tied up in inadequate sleep, because even if you make it into bed at a decent hour, you've got your cell phone right there to send two more hours worth of emails. Now, that's what doctors will tell you about how this is killing us and affecting us, and I'm not a doctor, I'm a pastor. And so I need to talk to you about how the glorification of busy is affecting our soul and our spiritual health. Even if you're retired or currently work, not working much at all, you are still susceptible to this spiritual struggle of overwork. Because this world that we live in causes us to believe that our value and worth is determined by what we do. That's where overwork comes from. Overwork starts when people believe the lie that their value is based on how much they accomplish. This belief has infected us and we barely even realize it. Here, let let me prove it to you. I'm guessing that some of you here today, up to this point in the sermon, have been kind of feeling a bit guilty. Here I've been talking about overwork and doing too much and you're thinking to yourself, my goodness, that's not like me at all. I'm not doing enough. I somehow feel inadequate right now because the pastor's talking about overwork and that's not me. Stop. Stop. (laughs) That is just another example of the way that this thinking has infected our lives. Don't you see what's happening here? Our culture of overworking has caused all of us to think That we have to be doing something in order to have value. We have been taught to think that there's something honorable about working ourselves to death. Church, that's a lie. If you believe that your worth is measured by what you do, then that is sinful. Because the scriptures are clear, and our faith is clear, our worth comes from God. No one else gets to tell us what our value is. God and God alone determines our worth and value, and it has nothing to do with how much you accomplish or how full your schedule is. Your worth is only determined by what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross. We have glorified being busy to such a point that will even turn our life of faith into work. We'll think that we've got to read so many pages of the Bible each day, that we've got to say so many prayers, that we've got to do so many spiritual activities. We'll think that if we don't work hard enough at our faith, then we'll somehow not be worthy enough of God's love. But that's just the thing. We'll never be worthy of God's love, and yet God has promised it to us anyways. Your value is not determined by anything you do. Your value is determined by what God has to say about you and by what Jesus has done for you. And that's why we've got to take a rest. The glorification of busy has separated us from the proper rhythms of life. The glorification of busy has caused us to ignore the voice of God that calls us blessed, and holy, and loved. This sinful behavior is not just destroying our physical health, but it's ruining our souls as well. My children have a book that refers to the Ten Commandments as God's Ten Best Ways. Right? And I really like that wording. Because I do believe that God created us to live in a certain way. God didn't just make us and then say, figure it out. No, God had some specific instructions and thoughts about the best ways for us to live. And the Ten Commandments are God's guiding principles for our lives. The Ten Best Ways to Live. And here's the thing, church. One of those Ten Commandments is specifically about taking a rest. One of the Ten Best Ways to Live is to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, God says, and on the seventh you shall do no work at all. For six days, you can rush around and fill your life with to-do lists and jump from one meeting to the next. You can spend, work yourself ragged for six days of the week. But on the seventh day, you've got to stop and remember. Remember that each day is a gift from God, not a to-do list to get through. Remember that your value does not come from what you do. Remember that your worth is only defined by God. Oftentimes in the scriptures, God will tell the people to remember. It's a very common theme throughout the Bible. Remember who you are. Remember who you belong to. Remember what God has promised. Remember all that God has done for you. And in fact, that was a big part of what God was doing with this commandment about the Sabbath day. God didn't just want the Israelites to remember the Sabbath day. God wanted the Israelites to remember where they had come from as well. I read this verse to you earlier, and I'm guessing you didn't think too much about it. So I'll read it to you again. It's chapter 5, verse 15. God says, remember the Sabbath day, do no work. And then God says, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. You see, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt until God brought them to freedom. And as slaves in Egypt, the Israelites never got to rest. Day after day, it was the same Mindless, difficult work. Day after day, it was the same abuse and terror without an end in sight. Their only purpose in Egypt was to work and work and work. And so God says, remember the Sabbath day. Remember that you are not a slave anymore and so you can rest now. You see, the Sabbath is a gift. It's a reminder that we aren't in Egypt anymore, and it's a command to live our life so that it looks different than it did when we were in Egypt. Church, too many people are wasting this gift. Stop the glorification of being busy. Remember to take a day to just enjoy all that God has given to you. Each day is a gift and so we must remember to stop at least every seventh day to simply appreciate the joy of life again. That's what remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy is all about. It's about finding the joy in life again, week after week. We are killing ourselves with the ways that we overwork. And worst of all, we're becoming angry and bitter and resentful people because we've lost the joy. Because we think that working 24-7 will make us happy, but instead it's destroying us. We need to take a Sabbath so that we can rediscover the joy in our life. We need to take a day to just rest in the goodness of God so that we can remember the joy of freedom. The joy of true living. The joy of God's freely given unending love. Friends, God loved us so much that God freed us from slavery and sin, and then God did something even better. God commanded us to stop every seven days and rest. Stop and just enjoy the goodness of this life. Thanks be to God for the gift of Sabbath. Amen.